Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Palm Sunday marks the last day that people gathered to worship Jesus before he was crucified. It's like on Palm Sunday, the crowds were there. They were worshipping him. And after that day, we, they stopped worship until we get to Friday and they crucified him. And that is quite the transition from worship to crucifixion. And before you think, oh, that could never happen to me. I could never turn away. I, I, I wonder about that sometimes. I, I wonder what could stop you from worshipping God? What stops your worship? I wonder if you've ever had a season that you've gone through in life where you did not see eye to eye with God and you thought that He should have done something that He didn't do. And as a result of that, you're upset. Maybe you got offended with Him. If you've ever felt like God was supposed to do something and He didn't, you are in good company. I have been there on more than one occasion where I felt like God was supposed to do something. But I'll tell you right now, in every season, as His people, we are designed for worship. Amen? All right. So what I want to do is read a psalm to you today. Psalm 95. I'm going to begin in verse 1. It says, O come, let us sing to the Lord Let us make a joyful noise. Guys, it's all right to make noise in church. And it's all right. Thank you to this section down here. It is all right to make some noise in church. Make a joyful noise. Listen, I'll tell you right now. You can worship God in silence. You can. It's possible. You can do it. And and that's actually okay. You can even worship God with tears. You know, if you've been moved as such, you can worship Him with tears. But commentators who've looked at this passage and done ample research would say that when we make a joyful noise to the Lord, that most aptly fits the expression of love towards God. And so when we make a joyful noise, it's actually us saying, hey, God, we just love you. God, you're just amazing. And so that's what we want to do. It says, make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. And let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. Uh, Derek Kidner, not Derek Kletner who comes to this church. Uh, he is not a theologian that I'm aware of. But um, anyway, he's, he, studied, he does study the Word of God though. But, but he said this, he said, This psalm is making sure that we rise to the occasion, not drifting into His courts, preoccupied and apathetic. See, some psalms will just go straight into worship and they just call you to worship. You know, you just start to worship God immediately. And then there are other psalms that call you to make a decision to worship. Some are just straight worship and others are saying, come on, you've got to worship Him as if we occasionally need a reminder. And Derek here, Derek says, you know, we shouldn't come into this moment of worship and praise where we are preoccupied and apathetic. Apathy is a very difficult thing to shift and change, isn't it? Because when you point out the problem, they're like, yeah, we know. Like, you know, that's the problem with apathy. They already know 
the, the, the issues, but they're just not moved and, and they don't want to change what they're doing. He says, we shouldn't do this. I, I tend to agree with Derek here. I, I think, you know, when, whenever we come into praise and worship, let's not come in and, and like, you know, dragging our feet and waiting till the creative team hit a three-piece harmony that's so epic that you go, all right, I'm in. Like, I, I just feel like what we should really do is bring worship and bring praise because we feel like God's worthy of all of the praise that we can bring. So I'm like, you know, in the morning, do what you need to do. You need to get a coffee before you get to worship. Fine. Just get to church a bit earlier, grab that coffee. But whatever you do, when it gets to worship, be intentional about how you worship. Like, let's not just let it drift. I don't want to drift into worship. Let's be intentional about the praise that we give to God. See, worship is the odd response to an awesome God. That's what it is. I know we use that word awesome a lot, but he actually is awesome. It's the odd response to an awesome God. Can I just encourage you this morning? Don't lose your awe. Don't take these moments that we get to have for granted and just treat it as a regular thing. It's like, it's special. Don't lose, don't lose your awe for God. You know, I had awe for God when I was a kid. I had awe for him. And I went through some circumstances and I completely, I just lost my awe. I, I just didn't see him the same way. I went through, I guess, some things in my life and it changed the way that maybe I looked at God and I didn't see him as that anymore. It kind of tainted my perspective on who he is. And I remember the first time I went back to church and as I went in, it was, they were near the worship section. And they said to everybody, come on, we're going to stand up to worship God. And I, honestly, my, my genuine reaction was, oh my gosh. Like, is there anything worse than Christian worship? Like, I mean, we, what are we really going to do this? We're really going to stand up, you know? And so I was just, you know why I felt that way? Because it's such an immersive experience, isn't it? It's like when people stand up and worship is happening, it's happening all around you and you can't escape. I remember as worship began and you start to look around and just see what people are doing with their worship. You know, people do it differently. I remember seeing one guy, he had one hand raised, just one. That's five out of 10, guys. It's five out of 10. He's like, he's there, but he's half there, you know. And uh, I saw another guy, two hands raised. 10 out of 10, like that guy's, he's serious. He's serious about it. He's two hands raised. Two, that's two hands worship right there. Uh, you see another person, they've got a hand in one pocket and a coffee in the other. And it's like, you get a point for showing up. Look, at least you came. You know, hey, hey, you could have stayed in bed. So we'll give you a point for showing up, but you're just not bringing it today, you know. Uh, sometimes people are crying. Like, you know, you go, we've got, we got a crier over there. That's 11 out of 10. They're having a moment, you know, and that's like, wow. Wow, that's encounter worship moment, crying, awesome. Except that when you're new to church, you're like, what is going on? You know, and, and so there was crying. And then I, I remember seeing another lady and she was like spirit fingers over here. You know, she's like, and I'm like, she looks like she's definitely having a moment. And so people are worshiping God, you know, differently in different ways. And I remember looking at all of the worship that they had and everything that people were doing. And I was like, all right, I got to get into this. I, I need to do this too. And I wasn't expecting much, but what I agreed to do, at least in my heart, was to at least read the lyrics as everyone else was singing. And so I start to sort of read the lyrics and then something happened 
that I completely did not expect. And to be completely honest, it's kind of hard to put my experience into words, but I would say that it felt like in that moment, those lyrics hit me and it felt like God was way too much for me to be able to handle in one moment. And as I felt the bigness and, and, and that awe of God suddenly creep back into my heart, I became the crier. <laughs> you know, now I've got tears and I didn't expect that. I, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't trying to be open to it. It just started to happen. And then the whole time through my life, when, when I was far from God, I always believed that God was real. I always believed that God existed, at least in my head. No one had to prove His existence to me. But I'll tell you right now, there's a difference between knowing God in your head and knowing God in your heart. And, so, and I feel like oftentimes for people that are in worship, that are standing around, like it's like the information is in their head, but maybe it needs to make its way from their head to their heart. And in that, on that day, it's like it suddenly got all to my heart. It was way too much for me to handle all at once, but I felt the presence of God move on me in a special way. And I haven't felt that for years because to be completely honest, I had stopped my worship long ago. I stopped my worship. And the reason that I did that is, in all honesty, I was just offended with God. I was offended with God because life hadn't quite worked out the way that I wanted it to work. And you know what, guys? I was 12. 12! 12 years old. You don't have to even be get to 13. You can be 12 years old and disappointed with how things are turning out. And for me, I was disappointed. I was a little bit mad. I was a little bit cross at God that He didn't move in a way that I thought He should move. And I'm so glad that He loved me throughout my hissy fit because He just kept loving me. He was there for me throughout that whole period of time when I wanted absolutely nothing to do with Him. Let me ask you a question today. What stops your worship? What stops your worship? Have you had a season where God just disappointed you? And as a result of that, a little bit of offence crept into your heart. Has there been things that you've prayed for and God has said no when you really wanted a yes and you found it hard to continue your worship in that moment? It's like you just put pause on the worship for a moment and you had to wait till your heart got right before you could come back into His presence because if you were going to be honest, you're a little bit cross with Him. Things don't always work out exactly the way that we want. I wonder what it's been for you. Maybe you prayed for someone to be healed, but they weren't healed and now you're disappointed with God. Can you worship while you wait? Can you worship while you're waiting in in the middle of that situation where maybe it's a health thing, maybe it's a relationship thing, maybe it's a financial thing. Times get tough and you need help and you're like, you know, somewhere you moved from worshiping God to where are you, God? How many Christians do you know that have been in in a worship phase in their life and it started off well and their relationship began well with God, but somewhere along the way, they moved from I worship you to where even are you? And when that begins to happen and you have some unanswered questions in life, you know, it it, it tends to affect your worship. I've learned this. It's hard to worship while you're offended. I don't know if I've hardly seen anybody worship while they've been offended with God. Can you worship while you wait? I was thinking about this and I was thinking, man, God loves you. God hears every prayer that you pray. And He does answer them sometimes with a no when we are actually searching for a yes. But also 
I just want to let you know that God has his own plan that he's putting together. And he's not going to put his plan on hold to say yes to some of the things that we would just ask him for all of the time. You think about it, billions of people all wanting their way. And in the middle of that, God is creating his, and, and crafting his own narrative. He's got his own story. And that kind of brings us to Palm Sunday. Somehow people began in worship and they ended up saying, no, crucify him. What happened in the space? Palm Sunday kicks off Passion Week. Passion Week is the week leading up to Jesus' crucifixion on Friday. And thank God we know the rest of the story, His resurrection on Sunday. I want to tell you a little bit about Palm Sunday. But before I even just get to the scripture that I want to read, I want to give you the background to the story. Because if you don't get the background, then, then much of the story is not going to make sense. So the story is, is that Jesus was coming to a place called Bethany and he was literally having a resurrection party because he had healed and raised from the dead Lazarus. Lazarus is famous in the Bible for being Jesus' friend, but honestly, for being raised from the dead. And so he, Lazarus was raised from the dead and he had his sisters there and like, hey, what do you get for the guy that raised you from the dead? Uh, you give him a party. And so he's like, Jesus, let's at least have dinner. You know, so Jesus comes to having a resurrection dinner party. And this is big news. I mean, this would be big news today. And any newspaper, you surely this would make the front page of something. Now, you know, you know in Jewish culture, there was uh, one day dead. There was three days dead, which they considered to be really dead. But four days dead is like really dead, dead, dead. It's like, so you've got, there's levels of dead. Uh, uh, there's dead, there's seriously dead, then there's absolutely dead. And it's really interesting because Jesus, if you know the story, when they said, hey, you know, you got to come and, 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 and heal Lazarus, you, you know, and he just waits a little bit longer. He's near death. He just waits a little bit longer and Lazarus dies and Jesus is upset. And you think to yourself, man, why didn't you just answer that prayer then, right then and there? And he left the gap. And so why did he leave the gap? And maybe the reason why God leaves a gap sometimes is he's going to do something so amazing and there's no story. There's no incredible testimony without the testing season that went before it. And so Lazarus dies really dead, but then he's resurrected. And maybe what Jesus was doing is just letting everyone know that I have the power to raise up from the worst of circumstances. So no matter how dark your situation looks or how bleak it gets, or if you think, God, I, I don't even know if you can fix this. Maybe what God was really doing in that moment, what Jesus was doing in that moment was saying, it doesn't matter how bad it is. I can always fix it. I can always see it. I've got the power to do it. And so he does that and the word begins to spread. And people hear about it, that he is coming to Jerusalem. Now, everybody was going to Jerusalem because they were gathering together for the Passover. So Josephus, who was a first century Jewish historian, says, and this is going to blow your mind right now, that 2.7 million Jews had gathered in Jerusalem. So when we hear words like, and we're going to read it in a moment, and it says the crowds had gathered, like you're like, oh, so like 100 people? Well, maybe, but doubtful. There are 2.7 million Jews have swarmed into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. So we're going to pick up that story right now. And, and, and this, this whole story is about Jesus's entry and their, their worship that changes. It says this in John 12, verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees now, the palm trees were symbols of victory. They were symbols of kingship. It says, and he went out to meet, and they went out to meet him crying out, Hosanna. Hosanna means save us. 
Like we know what you can do. We've heard about Lazarus. Now save us too. You've clearly got the power to do something. Come and save us. They said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Now that little section that I just read is cited from Psalm 118. If you go back to Psalm 118 and you read that section, that portion of Scripture, there is a verse that comes right before the one that I just cited. The one before that says this. It goes, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's good words. Someone should write a song about that. Just feel like it could be a song. If you're new to church, it is a song. If you grew up in church in the 80s, maybe early 90s, I don't really know, sometime around then, I would sing it. Do you know the song? This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Okay, let's just stop it right there. There's something about this, this, this is always unimpressed, this section back here. If you want, they're like, their faces are literally saying, if you want us to come back next week, you'll stop this right now. I do, so let's move on. This is the day that the Lord has made. Now, when I heard the song, I remember singing it in Sunday school, and we used to always say it like that. We'd say, this is the day that the Lord has made. So you could sing that song on Monday and be like, yeah, so it's Monday. Monday's the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it because, you know, this is the day. You could sing that song on Tuesday and say, hey, Tuesday is the day that the Lord has made. So, so I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And to be honest, it's true because, you know, in some sense, God has made every day. But when this scripture was written and where this is actually taken from, they're not saying that every day is the day that the Lord has made. They're saying there is a specific day that the Lord has made. He has made this day and it was written well before it happened. And the day that they're talking about is what? Palm Sunday. They're talking about a specific day. This very specific day kicks off a series of events that are about to unfold in the next seven days as we look at what Jesus did and and look at the Passion Week. It goes on in verse 14 of John chapter 12. It says, And Jesus found a young donkey. A a donkey actually is a symbol of peace. When kings would ride into town, they'd often ride in on their horses. And and if they had conquered a city and there was a great military victory, they would ride in on on a horse. And here comes the king of Israel, as they say, riding on a donkey. He, by the way, I'd tell you this, Jesus didn't even need the donkey. Um, he was well uh, versed in walking from town to town. He, he, he didn't make it from wherever he'd come from, all the way from Bethany, and then, you know, a kilometer out and say, I could use a donkey right now. <laughs> he didn't need that. Why, why, Pastor Ben, why are you telling us this? All right, because uh, he knew that he was fulfilling Scripture when he did it. He wanted the donkey. Because he's saying, hey, listen, this, this day was prophesied about. I'm fulfilling it right now in front of you. He's making a statement. It says he sat on it as it is written. Verse 15, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. It's from Zechariah 9, verse 9. Did you know that the prophet Daniel predicted the, this event, this week, the week of Jesus' crucifixion? And he did it 530 years before it even happened. 
Like this isn't just time unfolding and things just happening randomly. This, this exact week, this exact moment, this day was prophesied about for 530 years. And it starts to unfold. And if you go back and you read the book of Daniel and you read this chapter, you'll see that right after it prophesies this event, it says something interesting that I want to take note of this morning. It says in nine, chapter 9, verse 26, after Palm Sunday, which is the day that we're talking about, it says, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. Jesus is the anointed one. He's going to have this day. And then after this day, he will be cut off and have nothing. He's going to have worship on this day. He's going to be worshipped on this day. And then after this day, he's going to be cut off and have nothing. That is exactly what happened. Now, I think it's interesting that Jesus, it was within his realm or ability, capacity to get the donkey. Even that's an amazing story when you read it in itself, where he got the donkey and how he got, obtained it. But, but it was within his capacity to get a donkey, but it would not be within his capacity as he was right here in this moment in time when he was in his human form. He wasn't controlling what the crowds did. This was an event that was prophesied about and it's all coming to pass. And this kicks off what we call the Passion Week. I think it's really interesting that he had one minute he had worship, the next minute that worship was cut off. Yeah. Why, why, why was it cut off? Why did people stop worshiping? And the answer is pretty simple. They stopped worshiping because they perceived that Jesus was going to do something for them that he didn't do. Yeah. And I tend to find that at least amongst the Christian community, when people believe that God is going to do something for them and they pray and they have faith and it doesn't happen, their worship can tend to get cut off. They get disappointed. They get disillusioned. And I look at this story and I think, you know, this, this is a story about Israel believing for physical liberation, but he came to bring spiritual revelation, uh, revelation and liberation. Jesus came and 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 paid the penalty for people's sins on the cross. That's not the victory that they were looking for. They wanted to be free from Roman occupation. They wanted the Messiah to come and to rule and to reign. They, they thought, this is it. Here He comes. Like, hey, save us. From who? From the Romans. Like, save us right now. And they thought that they knew what they needed. And so we read this story. They thought, we know what our most pressing need is. I think, how many times have I been in that exact situation where I've come to God and I've said to Him, I know what my most pressing need is now. Could you please answer my prayer? Could you please do what I'm asking you to do? And I'll tell you, God doesn't always say yes. You know, it, it does occur to me and it has uh, many times at different points in my life that God has His own plan. And He knows what to say yes to. And thank God He knows what to say no to as well. I am blessed because God hasn't always given me a yes. I am blessed because He's moved my life in very specific directions. And, 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 and through, the, through the prayers that have either been answered or unanswered seemingly to me. Have you noticed that unanswered prayer always or no always seems like it's unanswered? It is. It was just a no. And God, as God, He has the ability, He has the right to be able to do that. They thought, we know what we need. What they wanted was a quick fix. What Jesus was bringing was an eternal solution. They said, if you could just free us from, from the Roman Empire, from the grip of, of, of Rome, that would be so fantastic. He said, I'm going to do so much more than that. They would have settled for far less than God's best. 
They would have settled for physical liberation. He says, hey, I'm not just coming to do that. I'm going to bring liberation to humanity. I'm bringing a spiritual kingdom and this kingdom will rule and reign for thousands of years. You know, they, they, they just didn't get it. They didn't see what he was doing. I'm telling you right now, God loves you way too much to say yes to everything you ever ask for because He actually does know what you need. Can you worship God while you wait? Can you worship God when you're in that season that's tough, financial, maybe health, maybe relational. Can you, can you worship Him while it feels like what God is saying is no? Does your worship depend on how well things are going for you in life? I think this is very interesting. You know, for some people, it's like they'll worship Him when things are going really well, but when they go bad, they just turn off their worship because they're offended, bitter, disappointed. But some are the exact opposite. Some people will worship God Uh, They'll forget to worship God when it's all going good. But when things go bad, it drives them to their knees and they say, I remember who you are. I'm coming back. And what I'm saying to you is, could we just forgo all the worship based on how your life is going? And why don't we just worship Him all the time because He's worthy? Like it doesn't matter if your life is up and it doesn't matter if your life is down. Things could be good. Things could be, you could perceive things as being really bad and negative in your life. And despite how life is going for you, can we not just worship Him because of who He is? I, I've read this story. I'm very familiar with this story. I've read it many times and I prayed to God and I said, I get it. I even see this angle, like they stopped their worship. I understand how this is a message. I said, God, just tell me, Like, what do you want to say to people in this message? Like, what do you want to actually say to your church? You know, Bright Church, what do you want to say to people in this message? And I felt like God answered me straight away. And I love it when He does that because I don't always like to wait either. And He said, tell them, I really feel like this is for you today. Tell them, I know what they need. And I know where they're at, but also I have a plan that's working together for my good. But if you stick with me, it'll work out for your good too. And I thought that's so fitting because we can't worship God just because it's working out today. It's like we, you, got, you got to stick with God and get past the season that you're in. Lazarus is dead one, two, three, four days. Sometimes God waits till the end to answer a prayer so you always knew it was Him. It's all, listen, I'm telling you right now, He loves you so much. And it's all working together for His good. But if you stick with Him, and you see it through, it'll work out for your good too. I think worship is a response, yes, but a decision too. We make a decision to worship Him no matter what we're going through. You know why? Because God is awesome, even when life isn't. He's awesome, even when life isn't. It, it really doesn't matter. Do you know that the Hebrew concept of worship is to turn your life completely over? Believe it or not, it's not a six minute slower song than praise. Like it's not, that is worship, but 
the Hebrew concept of worship is, I turn it all over to you. It's hard to worship when you're offended. It's hard to turn it over when you don't know what God's going to do next. But if you get anything about the gospel, you see Him clearly as He is. You just turn it all over to Him because you trust Him. Why do you trust Him? Because He is awesome, even when your life isn't. And no matter what's going on, He really is worthy of all of the praise, all of the glory, all of the honor that we can bring. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you to have peace. Some of you are waiting right now. Maybe some of you are in that really good season, but the the good season can be tough too because you forget that you might need to worship. Maybe you're in a tough season right now and you absolutely know that you need to worship, but it's just, it's tough to do that while you wait. I believe if you stick with God, it's going to work out for your good. Amen. You stand to your feet. I want to pray for you all this morning. So why don't we do this together? Father, I just thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, I thank you that they love you. I thank you, God, that they're for you. I thank you, God, that you are for them. And Lord, we know that life can go up and life can go down. But in the midst of every season, I pray that we would just worship you with all of our heart. And not because life is going good or because life is a real struggle, but because in every season you are awesome. Even when life isn't, you still are. And God, we just, this morning, we just say that we love you. We worship you and I pray for peace to come upon every person while they're waiting. Some of you are waiting for grief right now to pass. That season will pass, but God will remain. Some of you are just going through a really tough time, even financially now. I'm telling you, that season will pass, but God will remain. I pray God, no matter what the season holds or what the season has brought, I pray God that each and every person, just let them have peace right now. Just trust in you right now that it really is going to be okay, that they don't have to worry, that they don't have to hold on to things that that they think is going to be their salvation. You are our salvation. You are our deliverer. You are our God. And we worship You because You're worthy of all the praise that we could bring. And Father, I pray that as people make a decision, as they're intentional, as we're the the opposite of what Derek said, we we don't don't want to come in apathetic and, and preoccupied as we come in intentional and saying, God, no matter what we choose to worship You today, I pray, let peace come Come upon them like a gift. Let peace come upon them to as they worship you. I, I can even see it for some of you right now. It's like you start to lift up your hands and the pressure is going to start to release because you're just worshiping Him in the middle of your season. Let it come now, God. Let those, I pray, God, that you would move right now on people as they, as they worship you from their heart with everything that they have because, God, we declare this morning that you are awesome even when things in our life aren't. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.